Welcome to Up an Octave, a podcast by Sonivia. I'm your host, Ruth Spence, founder of Sonivia, the podcast management agency that helps women and non-binary people take up space in podcasting. Up an Octave is here to support you in your podcasting journey, from how to market yourself, how to sound great, how to edit for your specific voice, and how to make your podcast feel like magic. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Up an Octave. Today I am talking about how to keep your voice sounding great and recording ready. As you can hear and have heard over these last few episodes, mine is not doing so hot right now. I'm actually recovering from, I guess, like laryngitis, and I, for a couple days, actually completely lost my voice. I could not speak literally at all. That was honestly kind of scary. (laughs) And so, I wanted to talk about, especially as we're in the winter, how to keep your voice in good shape. Obviously, if you get sick, sometimes there's just no way out but through. This was my case, right? So last week, I started not feeling so hot. And then a few days later, I woke up and just could not speak at all. And I'm definitely still getting over things. Um, I can still feel like the gunk on my vocal cords, which is so cute, so fun, loving all of that for me. But the things that I do when I'm in like in an acute situation with my voice are a little bit different from what I do just in general to protect my voice. So today I want to share some of my top tips for keeping your voice recording ready and how to manage when you just have to record when it's not so great. As I've mentioned, we are gearing up for the holidays and a cross-country move So despite being a batcher through and through, I was at the end of my batch (laughs) and I had planned to take all of Thanksgiving weekend and I was just going to go hard and record a whole bunch of episodes to get us batched up through the end of our move period. And like I said, yeah, I totally lost my voice. I wasn't able to make use of any of that downtime. I actually had to reschedule an interview because I had literally no voice. So sometimes your best laid plans do fall by the wayside. So I want to give you the tips to help you kind of bounce back from that and not let it totally tear the flow of your show down. All right. So the biggest thing that you can do for your voice is just to stay hydrated. Drink as much water as possible. You think you're not thirsty, drink a little bit more. This is especially important as we go into these dry winter months. If you feel like you are having to put more lotion on your hands, then you need to put more lotion on the inside of your body, which we do with water. So especially when you're noticing things are feeling a little bit more dry in the air, your nose feels a little bit more dry, drink so freaking much water. Water, water, water is absolutely the key to a great recording session. You can hydrate with other liquids, but I totally stand by having your emotional support water bottle and just chugging throughout the day because a well-lubricated and well-hydrated voice is a good-sounding one. I honestly think that being so hydrated is part of how I got my voice back so quickly because when you entirely lose your voice, it can take like a full week for it to return. 
And luckily for me, it was only about two days. Currently, the way that you're hearing my voice right now, which is definitely still not great, and I'm feeling a little self-conscious about it, is about four days after I had entirely lost it. Now, the next one is super important, but not something that is always the most practical. And this is to avoid vocal strain. When we think of vocal strain, we typically think of like screaming at a concert or shouting to make conversation in a loud bar. But something that we don't often think about is that whispering is actually very straining to your voice as well. If you are feeling like your voice is a little froggy, trying not to whisper is crucial. If you can just kind of speak low and a little more soft, that is actually going to be less straining to your voice than whispering. Now, when you lose your voice entirely, you may only be able to whisper. That's where I was. I could not actually get the vibration of my vocal folds because of how gross and swollen and nasty they were, which not ideal to do that. But because I have a toddler, there was a lot of, oh, I'm sorry, we can't do that right now. And I couldn't use my normal speaking voice. So there was a lot more whispering than I would have preferred. This is why you practice as many of these options as you can so that you have a little wiggle room when you're not able to actually do the best on one of them. Now, most ideal is just to rest your voice. This is when you tap into your inner Mariah Carey and you just go on vocal rest. If you can not speak at all, that is going to recover your voice so much. And this is what I tried to do when I'd completely lost my voice. I didn't even try. I luckily know a little bit of sign language and I've taught Olivia some sign language. So I was like, cool, you need milk. Got you. Cool. You want more? Got you. Cool. You're all done. Got you. And I was like pantomiming to my husband Darnell because he doesn't know sign language. He knows like the few signs that we do with the baby. But I actually, when I worked in disabilities, became semi-fluent in sign language. So I was able to kind of just revert back to that with a little bit of charades And I had my diva moment of totally resting my voice. But if you are in a place where you're starting to sound hoarse, like even honestly right now in a perfect world, I would still be practicing vocal rest. And after I get done batching content today, because I am on a holiday moving time crunch, so I do still have to batch. There are just going to be times when you have to push through. If you have a job where you have to talk, you're going to just have to push through. But then taking that time for self-care And having good vocal hygiene is self-care. To do what you can when you can is crucial. So after this, I'm going to take me a nice little vocal rest and maybe a nap. Because in addition to vocal rest, just rest in general is so helpful for getting your voice back. The more sleep, the more your body can heal itself, the more that it can get any kind of gunk out. That is majorly helpful. Another thing this time of year that is not super great for your voice is clearing your throat. That's actually really abrupt and makes a lot of friction on your vocal cords. So if you can try to avoid clearing your throat as much as possible, that is really just the the best way around. I know sometimes, especially if you're sick, like I have been, it's hard because you can like feel the crap on your vocal cords. And so you're like, I really want to clear my throat. But if you can avoid it, that is helpful. The foods that you eat are also really critical for vocal hygiene. So dairy is a huge, huge, huge enemy, I guess you could say, of a recording-ready voice. It coats your throat in a way that just makes it sound kind of globby. 
There's a lot of really gross words happening on this episode. Sorry about that. It just kind of makes your voice sound, yeah, globby. That's really the best word that I can come up with. And then if you are sensitive to dairy, it can especially make you hoarse. So opting for non-dairy options or dairy alternatives. This is when oat milk really can shine for you because those really coating proteins that are in dairy are really tough on your voice. Your diet in general actually has a lot to do with how you sound. One of the big things that I have heard is that spicy foods are not good for you while you're sick because they can create more like acid reflux and your body works harder to like coat to protect itself because it sometimes reads spice as a threat. I actually find the reverse to be true. When I'm having difficulties with my voice, I find that a little bit more spice actually helps clear things out for me. I make a tea that has a bunch of ingredients. We'll actually talk about some of them later, but I put like a dash of cayenne pepper in it and I find that it helps me to speak a little bit more clearly and it also helps to eliminate some of the throat pain that can come um, because capsaicin is a natural pain reliever. So this is one of those things where it's like, I know that the medical advice is contraindicating what I'm saying. And obviously I am not a doctor, so play around and do what feels best for you. But you may be someone who is more sensitive to spice or you may be someone who it kind of helps keep the body warm. The capsaicin helps to alleviate some of the pain. So play around with it, see what works for you. The other dietary things to consider are to limit your caffeine and alcohol intake. Um, These are both very dehydrating. That's why like if you wake up after a good night, (laughs) you're like, oh my God, I feel like crispy. I'm so dehydrated. And that is because alcohol actually does pull out the moisture. Um, And the same with caffeine being a diuretic, it's going to leach the moisture out as well, which does dry your voice. And it also just puts a little bit more stress on the body when your body needs to work on repairing whatever is going wrong that's making you sound all froggy. So if you can, just take a little backseat with the, the caffeine and the alcohol. This is so hard for me. I have had like one cup of coffee in this entire week. And your girl is so struggling. <laughs> I am so, so struggling because I'm not sleeping well at night because I keep like waking up with stuffy head and all that crap. And I still have a 15 month old. So yeah, things are rough out here for your girl. I'm of course a huge fan of using tea. I'm sure that Tanya over at the Tea with Tanya podcast could hook you up with some voice saving remedies. My favorite is going to be the traditional medicinals. That's so fun to say traditional medicinals uh, throat coat tea. That is clutch. I have used that for years There was actually, my voice just tends to go out really easily. I don't know why. And of course, I've chosen a lot of speaking (laughs) professions and hobbies. So one year I was the MC for the improv show at my college. And I literally did not have a voice all day. And I just went on full vocal rest, like to the point that I was holding up note cards, like your girl was not about to speak. And I was just chugging this throat coat tea. It's made with slippery elm, which has long been used by singers and performers to get themselves ready to speak or sing when they have to. And after just chugging that and being on vocal rest, I was actually able to emcee the show. I didn't sound great. I sounded probably about like I sound right now, but I was able to make it work. So yeah, the slippery elm is great. Lozenges are awesome. 
I'm a Ricola girly. They have these caramel ones that are so good that have just a little bit of menthol because a lot of menthol just makes me feel like I'm breathing fire like a dragon. Um, so I really like a lozenge. Fisherman's Friend lozenges are really well known. I had a vocal coach who she swore by those. So Fisherman's Friend lozenges, just cough drops in general, hard candies, anything that's going to lubricate your mouth more is going to be helpful. If you do have some that have some kind of medicated elements with like menthol or pectin or, you know, whatever that is, that can be an added benefit. But I'm a big lozenge girly. Another tip that we used to use in theater that I've heard other people talk about is actually Lay's potato chips, which, you know, you kind of think you're like, oh, you want to eat more nutritiously when you're under the weather. I swear by these like Lay's potato chips when your voice is not doing so hot is so clutch for me. And I've heard that the reason that it works so well is twofold. It's because of the salt, which again, we want to stay hydrated, but the salt kind of helps to draw out some of the crap that's impacting your voice. But then also the oil that makes them greasy helps to lubricate your voice. I have watched performers like smash a bag of Lay's potato chips before they had to go on if they were feeling a little froggy. And it does. It works every time. So that's something to consider if you're like, oh, crap, I have an interview that I cannot bail on. I have to sound better. Go smash some potato chips. <laughs> of course, to take a tip out of Mariah Carey's book again, humidifiers. Um, if you don't have a humidifier, you can just like make a simmer pot on the stove that's got just water. I like to add lemon slices, cinnamon, things that are going to make my house smell good, things that have like healing properties. Your girl's a little on the witchy side, so I like to do things like that. But just anything that gets humidity into your environment, if you can take a shower right before you record and really open things up, that's super helpful. Or just sit in your bathroom while it's steamy. That can really be a game changer for your voice. And so in general, when even when you're not struggling with your voice, there are still some things that you can do just to help take care of it. So a big one is you can do your vocal warm-ups. This just helps get your voice ready to perform, ready to be used in a different way. You may notice that you can talk on the phone for an hour and be totally fine. But when you record a podcast for 20 minutes, you're like, oh my God, my voice feels really fatigued. That's just because even subconsciously, you are using your voice differently. So in addition to those vocal warm-ups, that's where your posture is really important. So using that good diaphragmatic breath, sitting up straight so that you can use more of your voice, that's helpful. Breathing exercises to help with your breath control so that you can have more power so that your voice doesn't have to work so hard, that can be incredibly helpful. And then again, of course, planning so that you don't have to record when things are not working so well. As I mentioned, that's kind of my goal is to always have content batched out. But there is going to potentially be a time where you get to the end of your batch and you just have to power through. That's where I was in this situation. And it's frustrating because you're like, I don't want to have to record sounding like this, but I still prefer to do your best. I think that hopefully your listeners have empathy. And if you come to the table not sounding your best one day, they're not going to be like, oh, my God, this person sounds like trash today. They're just going to be like, oh, wow, it sounds like maybe they weren't feeling so hot. I would rather see you show up, do your best, have it not be the absolute best episode that you've ever put out, but still put your effort forth. 
rather than just ghost for a couple weeks. Oh, I'm just sliding in to tell you about my 12-week content planner for podcasts. If you are starting to think about the holiday season and what that's going to look like for your podcast, you're not going to want to miss out on this free resource that I have created to help you holiday-proof your podcast. In general, I recommend having at least 12 weeks of content planned, if not recorded, at all times. This helps you dodge pod fade and keep your message resonating loud and clear while saving you stress and headaches and last minute panic. To download this free resource, check for the link in my show notes. All right, back to the good stuff. All right, so today's question comes from Sam, who did not provide a show for me to shout out, but Sam asks, what is the ideal length for an episode? So there are a couple schools of thought with this. And the first one that I will say is your episode should be as long as it needs to be. As you've noticed, my episodes recently have been a little bit shorter. And that is because with this last batch, with my voice being under the weather, I have been trying to be as efficient as possible. I know that it's the holiday season, so I know you're also busy. And I also know that I want to get back to my vocal rest. So I'm trying to be mindful of the time that you are still spending with me, even though I know you've got a lot going on with the holidays. And I'm also trying to be mindful of what my body is capable of right now. So that is my first answer is just do what feels right. If you end up needing an hour to talk about a thing, then your episode needs to be an hour long. If you know that you want to have a set length for all of your episodes are going to run about that length, that should be dictated by what feels good and manageable for you. We do find some data, though, that suggests that episodes that are either 25 or 50, 5-0 minutes long, are the most successful. And that boils down to because that is the average length of most commutes. So most people are spending 25 minutes one way. So they're either listening to your whole episode, or if your episode is in that 50-minute category, You're listening to half of it on the way to work and then half of it on the way home. So I like to keep episodes within that window to keep people company on their drive or on their public transit commute without bogging them down too much. Another element with that, though, that you have to consider is your post-production time. So I find that even for me, after I have been at this for a good long while, that my post-production workflow is still about a two-to-one ratio for my raw file. So if I have a 30-minute long recording, on average, it's going to take me about an hour to get everything publication ready. So do consider that. When you get started, that ratio can be skewed a lot higher. I know for me, when I got started, it was about a four or five to one, which was crazy long. So if you know that you don't have that many hours to put in, consider how much you can pack a punch in a shorter amount of time. But the bottom line to me is that you should make the episode that feels right for your show. If you know that your listeners have 30 minutes, they want to spend that 30 minutes with you, that seems like a great sweet spot. But I have heard of shows that are as long as like three or four hours, which can be a little bit long. But if you have the audience who is asking for that and it's working well for you, I say go for it. The biggest thing is to play If you kind of experiment and see, oh, wow, this episode that is this length is performing really well, that shows that that is what is really resonating with your listeners. 
I tend to think that fandom shows where you're talking about an interest, those can skew a little bit on the longer side. Whereas funnel shows like mine, where you're trying to educate about a particular thing with a really strong call to action, I find that those work better when they are a little bit on the shorter side because then you are honoring people's time a little bit more. So I hope that helps. I hope that you play with it a little bit and find out what works best for you. And if you are listening out there and have a question that you would like me to answer on the show and hopefully shout out a show for you as well, I love when I get to do that, you can send me an email at rue.sonivia at gmail.com or just DM me a voice note on Instagram at Sonivia Studios. That's it for today. I will be back next week to talk about bouncing back from pod fade. If you're thinking about resurrecting a show in the new year, this one is for you. In the meantime, please subscribe wherever you're listening right now and leave me a rating or a review because just like your show, mine needs those to grow. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending some time with me. I wish you and your family a very happy holiday. Thanks so much for spending time with me and helping me take podcasting up an octave.